0: So I jumped out of the car, went straight over the road to a travel agent's, bought a one-way ticket to New Zealand, and then um, jumped back in the car. Then, obviously, about five minutes later, my sister jumped back in. She said, oh, you've been to the travel agent's. Are you thinking of going somewhere? I said, oh, I've just bought a one-way ticket to New Zealand.
1: Hello, everyone. You've tuned into to Perth Reconnect. I'm your host, Ben Dunnan, and with me is my co-host, Lockie Norman. Hello, everybody and today our special guest is Jack Freighter. Um, I'd like to speak to you about your uh, your volunteer work that you did over in Africa, uh, Project Swallow. So tell me a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah, so I suppose it all all started um, when a f- couple of friends and I, we wanted to go away on a gap year after school and between uni. And then... Basically, we were looking into all these uh, charities. We wanted to do something worthwhile rather than what everyone else does in England, which is, uh, you know, go around the sort of east coast of Australia, Thailand, Laos, have a wild party and then don't remember any of it. So we wanted to do something a bit different. So we're looking into all these charities and different work that you could do. And what we learned about a lot of them was that you pay sort of three grand to go and teach in a school, but then you don't know where that three grand goes. And then you turn up and then you're teaching these kids and who knows where the money's going because you're not a teacher, you've got no experience. So once you're gone for three months, then a couple people are gonna come back and probably do exactly the same. So we we really saw that as a bit of a waste of time, when we're a bit unsure on how it would go. So you know we thought, let's completely scrap the idea, we'll go to uni and then rethink it afterwards. And then one drunken night over a whiskey around the kitchen table, <laughs> we, um, we came up with this ludicrous idea, there's just the three of us left why don't we just start our own charity and then we know exactly where the money's going we can spend it how we like and then we know it's going to be doing the right thing and then of course as every drunken night starts and ends you wake up the next morning do you remember what we said last night i oh shit! yeah we yeah, you know, we went to we were talking about this let's start our own charity and we were only 17 at the time and we were talking about doing some wild african adventures you know. Bow arrows, who knows what to expect? <laughs> Spears and stuff. So, and we thought, let's just do it. So, we started telling people, this is what we're going to do. Everyone thought we were crazy. There wasn't one person who was really supportive of it or thought we'd be able to do it, apart from like our parents, who had essentially genetically programmed to support what we're going to do anyway. So, then uh, we got in touch with this orphanage, which we found on the internet. And we said to these guys, like, what do you need? And they were like, oh, we really need a playground, okay? So we got to work designing and fundraising, and it was quite hard because you know three sort of rugby lads who are known for a bit of a party are now trying to ask a whole load of friends and family for money to go to Africa in the middle of nowhere, and everyone was a bit apprehensive about supporting it. Anyway, in the end of it, we ended up raising about twenty-five thousand pounds. Um, and essentially went off to, to Kenya, to this orphanage. And w- we were living in, in a slum for um, about seven months, eight months. Um, we were living in, in this tiny little room, which is probably about three meters by three meters. We had two bunk beds, uh, which all three of us slept on. In the same room, there's the, a freezing cold shower, which was directly on top of the uh, toilet. <laughs> because well, obviously, you know over, over in Africa, they're not really used to having a toilet and... A shower to ne- next to each other like the western world no it was it was a proper toilet like we're used to but just didn't really work that well <laughs> but but the convenient thing about it you could wash your hair at the same time as <laughs> <going>. <laughs> anyway so we got to work and it was amazing we um yeah we were employing about we had about 13 guys working from us all locals um and it's really humbling and Nice, and we had all, all the kids there, so we did a lot of work with those, the kids.
1: Was there a community barrier, like a communication barrier issue at all? Or yeah.
0: A lot of body language <laughs> then? Heaps of, loads of body language. There's a, there's a few of them. I mean, quite a lot of the Africans can speak really good English. They speak um, Swahili in Kenya, which yeah. is their sort of number one language, English, because that's essentially the way that they can connect with the Western world, which means that you know, a lot more money can come into them. Yep. And then their own tribal language, so they're, they're incredibly smart people, and they're yeah. so grateful for everything they've got. You know, the kids that go into school, they're washing their clothes, and they're so proud of the every end of every day, which is amazing. Whereas in the Western world, you know, all kids want to do is slide around a rugby pitch or something, go home. The last thing they want to do is look smart the next day. Yeah, but these kids, they're you know, they're so proud of it, which is really good to see. Yep. Yeah. And um, yes, yeah, so we, we were living there, and of course, as we started the project came into fruition and it really started gaining a bit of momentum. Then suddenly all the naysayers back home were like, Oh, this is this, they're actually doing it. This is quite good. And we the two play- playgrounds we built were pretty massive. They were about twenty five meters by twenty five. And then there was another one which is seventeen by I don't know, eighteen meters. Uh to range for different age groups of kids, stuff like that. And a lot of it, I mean, like I said, straight out of school, so we really had little idea of what we were doing, but essentially we knew that if we put our mind to it, you know, we could achieve whatever we wanted to achieve. And then, while we were away, a lot of people started getting in touch who also wanted to get involved with the project, um, and there's a lot of people who are in the same boat still in their final year at school, they're about to do, um, looking to do a gap year, so we had a lot of Kids getting in touch with us saying, you know, we want to be a part of Project Swallow. So we said, okay, so after a bit of sort of selection process, we ended up choosing um, four four more kids. And um, it, was, it was quite funny. So I said to them, look, I'd really like you guys to go to this bar in England. So I knew where it was, and it was, it was a sort of a middle ground for all four of them. And they didn't really know each other that well. Um, so they're like, okay. And then I said, when you get there at this time, um, make sure you've got a laptop that you can get onto Skype and I'll get get through to you. Because I had to go down to an internet cafe to um, get through to these, these guys back in England. So so anyway, that happened. When I was at the internet cafe and I was I Skyped them. They're all together. They've already been together for about two hours having a beer together. So they're well lubed and having fun. And then um, and we have, we've had a bit of a chat just like this. And then I said, okay, are you ready to hear what project we want you to do? And they were like, yeah, 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 they're like, really excited. Okay, we want you to build a house. And they were like, looking around at each other and they started looking at the computer and they're like, oh Jack, we think we just lost the Skype thing, we thought you said you want us to build a house. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I said. We're 17 years old, we don't know how to build a house. I was like, well, obviously I know that. And I said, so, so why are you choosing us to build a house? And I said to them, yeah, I said, doesn't, it really doesn't matter whether you know how to do it or not. If you want to do it and you put your mind to it, you can do whatever you want to do. And they're like, okay. So then the process, so I said, does that sound good? They're like, well, it sounds a bit crazy. I said, cool, that sounds good then. And, uh, and then I said, so you guys in or do I need to find four more people? No, 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 we'll do it, we'll do it. So then it was brilliant. So they just got on their way Um, The next step was trying to persuade the parents. One of them was easy, because one of them was my sister. So her parents, being my parents, already knew how nuts we were. So, you know, they they were fine with her. But I had to persuade the other parents, because we were there during the elections, so it was like civil war was going on. And um, it was chaos. And it was all over the international news. So everyone thought Kenya was this war zone, and that we were just three nutters having a bit of a lunatic time. Um, and then anyway, so, so the parents, they were on board. And then the fundraising for those guys was a little bit easier. They had to work really hard for it, but it was a little bit easier because we already had started the project and had shown that we could deliver something. So, um, you know, it was a bit easier to get people on board. And we had some amazing sponsors um, who have, you know, essentially really drove the project for us. And then, yeah, these the four guys, they went out to uh, Kenya, the orphanage and they built this incredible house on this plot of land that we bought just outside and that was what we wanted to build for the the volunteers so then anyone who goes back as a volunteer which they need a lot of volunteers they don't have to live in that little three by three room that we had with a a shower a cold shower on top of the toilet yeah they can actually have a hot shower like you know a little bit of a nice nicer time and then go and do good things as well
1: yeah yeah that's great and um is it still there at the
0: moment still going strong? yeah, so I went back about three years ago, and that was one of the most satisfying things about it' cause we we were quite worried you know when we left it, and we we had a bit of a handover process with the community there, and we made sure to got to get a lot of the community involved when we were building it and things like that um to try and encourage you know them to look after it once we left, and essentially then we um when I went back, I was worried. You know, all the wood could be gone, all the steel could be gone because we built it quite a lot. The house could be in disarray. Because r- in terms of all the other houses around the area, um, it was really nice. It was a really good quality build. And then, um, yeah, went back and it was incredible. The playground had been immaculately looked after. It had been repainted. It had been. The grass was kept nice. Um, bits of wood that had gone rotten had been replaced. Uh, the house was amazing. There's a wall. It's a bit like you know, the Beyond Rest centers where the volunteers had put their own touch onto the house. So there's a big wall full of photos of all, every volunteer that had been there, which you know we didn't expect. We just essentially left it as a blank canvas. And there's this big wall full of all these photos, which are amazing. Um, it's been really well looked after. It's got pots and pans and knives and forks and all the stuff you need to live. Um, and that's all being brought by volunteers. And then the beauty of that is then they go out and, you yeah, know, they can kind of teach them the teach the kids or put the kids to bed or uh, cook for them, That's all great. that sort of good stuff.
1: That's great. Uh, this is a really important question: Is the fart joke still universal in Africa? Yeah,
0: it is. <laughs> the funny thing is, they've got exactly the same sense of humour as we've got. It. <laughs> in, in fact, it could be almost funnier. The the kids, they yeah, they're they're really funny and they really enjoy to take the piss out of like. You know, people Westerners who go over and they they sort of cough and splutter and say they're dying, which yeah some of them are because obviously there's a lot of them with um, AIDS and stuff like that. But the the way that their outlook on life is completely different to ours. They just want to enjoy it, enjoy every day as it comes and as it happens, regardless of what's happened to them in the past. And there's some horrific stories which make your toes kill, but that doesn't matter to them. They're there to have fun about it, and they'll let, they'll go to the, someone who's come over to I don't know might want to preach God or might want to go and do really good stuff be really nice and then some kids come over and start coughing on them and said oh I'm sorry you're probably going to get aids now and to watch the face of the volunteer who's like what and then they're like oh no I'm just joking <laughs> it's it's pretty funny they, they sort of have a bit of a twisted humor for but you know it's quite a good way of doing it as well
1: well, yeah, that's the thing uh, that I've heard about um, the, the third world uh, countries is that um, they're just too busy trying to survive each day that they don't have time to worry about depression or anxiety or, you know, do I look too fat or too thin or, you know, will I make my first million by 25 or 30 or whatever, um, whereas here we're a lot more spoiled. So they're just trying to get by day by day. day, by day. Um And my co-host, Lucky, here is one of those people that actually lives every day to the fullest, as far as I know, because every time (laughs) I try to get a hold of him, he's somewhere here, there, or everywhere. Last time I was trying to get a hold of you, you were busy snapping turtles. What do you do, pretty much, on a day-to-day basis? How do you go about life?
2: Well, as you said, man, I do try and live it to the fullest every day. I never know where I'm going to be in a week's time. I like to pack my bag and just pack up the car and drive wherever I want to go, I find being bunkered down to a nine-to-five job quite, I don't know, monotonous almost, really, a bit, a bit dull. And like Jack over here, doesn't like doing the same thing as other 17-year-olds driving around the East Coast or heading to the typical touristy places. I also like to get out there and do things a bit out there, a bit more holistic, more wholesome, something bigger than myself, really.
1: Yeah, that's good, because you're, I mean, how old are you again, Lockie? You're 18? 20. 20, yeah. so close. Close enough. And, um, yeah, I remember one time you were telling me you were doing volunteer work just to plant trees, because you were trying to give back to, to Mother Earth. Is that correct?
2: <laughs> that is correct, yes. <laughs> I've had many people look at me with very, very funny looks whenever I say that, but, hey, you get a bit of a kick out of it.
1: No, I think that's great. I'll give you a funny look because it's just so amazing because when I was 20, I mean, my mind was pretty much just on chasing girls. So,
2: Well, my mind's still there too, but <laughs> trees are also up there with the girls. I do like the trees.
1: That's good. That's good, man. Um, and that's. Uh, do you find um, you're, you're quite, uh, I guess, do you find that therapeutic or mindful? I mean, how do you find that when you're actually planting a tree in there? Is it just like a self satisfying like self-gratification or is it something that you really get out of it i mean what does it mean to you
2: yeah it's almost meditative like in the process of just repetition putting a tree and moving to the next spot putting the tree in again and at the end of the day yeah you actually feel almost inflated after doing it like you knowing you've done something very good very positive even though you probably know half the trees are probably going to die which is not the funnest feeling but yeah it actually makes you feel genuinely good as Jackie would know very much, very much so.
0: But you can look back on it and have that sense of achievement.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's the best Which is part fulfilling. of it all.
0: That's what we need to have. Yeah,
2: come it's back good. in 30 years and see the house still built there. <laughs> yeah. or the trees are growing 20 metres tall. or <laughs> It's a great feeling.
1: Yeah, that's. I saw that in Victoria. Like I saw where all these trees were planted in this forest in the mountains um, and they, they'd all been named and uh, they were planted some 50 years ago. And in that time, they were easily over a hundred feet. They were just monsters, and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, "Wow! Imagine if you were still alive." Which I assume these people are. I hope they are. And they'd plan to that come back to that scene, that tree, and they're like, "I did that." Just seeing how full of life they really are, and that's I think that's a beautiful thing, being in touch with nature. So, after you left Africa, I mean, what what happened after that? Because you were quite young. Then. Well, you still are young.
0: Yeah, um, well, I'm 29 now, so. After that, went to, um, went to uni, um, did that. Uni was good fun, did a few, sort of raised a fair bit of money there for different charities, but I made sure it was good fun. So, for example, did like a sponsored wax with all the rugby boys in the nightclub. Sponsored uh, wax? Yeah, it was pretty painful. Oh, okay, was,
1: yeah, right, as it sounds. Yeah, you are waxing bodies, right. Yeah, yeah it was horrible,
0: <laughs> in fact. Cause, so the, the idea was is the audience paid five quid f- to, for a strip, and they got to come up on and uh, essentially say, okay, I want to do that part of the body. And we were just there in shorts and I'm like, Yep, yeah, no worries. And then they, could, the uh, beautician would put the wax on, the strip on, but then the person paying the money got to take it off. So depending on how cruel you were to people, they were very cruel to you.
1: So were there some questionable parts? Um, yeah. That were waxed?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I got um, both armpits, uh-huh. chest, yeah, and the inner thigh, which was... Um, extremely sore especially when it's done at about i don't know a millimeter a minute yeah but it raised a hell of a lot of money Just did that and uh, did a couple of, like game show um kind of hosting things um like english game shows which are on tv and that was really funny like there uh, this there's this big dating one called uh, take me out I don't know if you've heard of it.
1: They're starting that up now in um, Australia. It's just about to come out. Oh, really? There you go. We're just a (laughs) few years behind. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, it was brilliant. It was really good fun. So that, and then, um, yeah, then basically towards the end of uni, you know. What
1: were you studying?
0: uh, Property Investment and Finance. Uh-huh. And, you know, the, the lifeline for that was basically you go to London, work your guts off for very cheap, and... That's how you work your way up the up the ladder, and to me, I couldn't think of anything worse. I was thought probably a bit too um, arrogant. I thought, yeah, I'm worth more than working for someone else for nothing to make that person loads of money. And so, you know, I was really in a bit of dilemma of what to actually do with my life. And then um, I was in York visiting my sister, um, and she was she jumped out to the shop of the car to the shop, and I was thinking, Jesus, you know, I was really, I don't know, just unsure of what to do. And out of nowhere, my friend called me up and said, um, what are you doing in August? Do you want to go to New Zealand for the Rugby World Cup? And I was like, yep, no worries. He said, oh, okay. He he got a bit of a shock. He thought he'd have to try and persuade me. I said, no worries, let's sort it out. So I jumped out of the car, went straight over the road to a travel agent's, bought a one-way ticket to New Zealand, and then um, jumped back in the car. Then obviously about five minutes later, my sister jumped back in. She said, oh, you've been to the travel agent's. Are you thinking of going somewhere? said, oh, I've just bought a one-way ticket to New Zealand. She's like, what? I'm going in August. <laughs> and that was it. Then, yeah, went over there, had a ticket to New Zealand and then a ticket to Sydney. Um, got to Sydney. I was working in New Zealand for a bit as well. I was there for about six or seven months or something. Had an amazing time there. And then um, went to Sydney for about a month, ran out of money and wasn't that keen on it. It was a cool, really cool place, but it was just a place where I was going to pay too much, I think. And then, yeah, I was completely broke, and I was talking to my cousin, and he said, Have you, why don't you come over to Perth and get a job? So I said, oh, that sounds like fun. So I came over to Perth, and that was about seven years ago now. And I was only intending on being here for maybe six months, get enough money together to keep traveling. Um, and I ended up loving it, just traveling around Western Australia, which is an incredible place to move around. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can get anywhere f- so easily from here. So yeah, seven years later, it was, it, was, it was like three years before I went back home after I first left. So everyone back home was a little bit shocked, but yeah, I was just having the time of my life.
1: It's pretty hard to get out of WA. It's kind of once it gets you, it's uh, yeah. For me personally, the two reasons I don't leave is one, my kids, but uh, <laughs> the the other is just the sunsets. So I just think it's so beautiful around here. It's there's. There's so much that this kind, con- uh this part of the country has to offer, so yeah. yeah well it's
0: it's amazing. you can go to a beach half an hour of, out of the city and you can feel like you're the only person in the world, and you've got the sound of the ocean rolling through, and like you said, probably the most incredible sunsets ever in the world and then um and it's like that's yours,
1: yeah. And it's good, you're really present in that moment. I find like uh, last summer, not so much during this winter because it's been quite wet and rainy, but um, last summer whenever I could, I spent a lot of my time after training, um, just going down, getting burrito and just sitting by the sunset uh, I stopped bringing my burritos down because I had to compete with the seagulls. But um <laughs> What kind of burritos are we talking about? Oh, okay. Well, not the vegetarian sort. We're talking about uh, chicken burrito with jalapenos and chipotle sauce. So.
2: To each their own. <laughs> that, does sound, that does sound pretty tasty.
1: Yeah. yeah uh, I'd like to try the vegetarian side of things, but um, i got to admit I still enjoy my meat. But, yeah, the sun She's just really present in that moment. Um and uh, there was an eyesore of like an oil rig at the time but still I got those beautiful sunsets so yeah it's really good to sort of um, be present and live in that moment and I think you find um, uh, um, if you take a little bit of time each day um, you can really sort of uh, centre yourself and you know between that and sleeping a lot better you become a lot more productive for the next day and you can actually really live life to the full
0: yeah i I agree with you i I love waking up really early try and beat the sun and then i'll go either for a walk down to the beach maybe or might go for a bike ride up the coast something like that and just get some music on my headphones or a podcast and essentially just work out what's going to happen for the rest of the day and then go with that it's a perfect way to start
1: it is, it is. Usually I'm up at 5.30 as well going off to training. didn't happen this morning. I, I decided I needed some extra sleep. But, yeah, most mornings it's it's good to sort of, yeah, beat the sun. It makes you feel a little bit better knowing you've sort of uh, got a, a step ahead on everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Not that it's a pissing contest, but even so. <laughs> Try
0: and beat the AJMers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... <clears throat> So, um, at the moment, you're about to take off uh, the little brass van, a mobile coffee place, or mobile coffee van.
0: Yeah. So, that's essentially, so I work in the mines, and big part of that is you're obviously flying away so often. Yeah. Which I don't think is that, that healthy. So, what, what you is know,
1: your swing? Sorry.
0: I do week on, week off. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm also very fortunate because there's a lot worse rosters to have out there. I'm very aware of that. And what do you actually do, sorry, up in the mines? So um, I work with a team of people who look after um, the the controlling of all the trucks. Um, And yeah, they're essentially an amazing team of people, a lot smarter than me, but they work out where the trucks are going and what they're doing. And then I suppose my role is to try and support, support all those people. So you're the man that makes everything run smoothly, hey? Uh, I don't know about that. They do that. I try and help them out, you know, yeah. cook them a barbecue and stuff like that. <laughs> so you're the one that gives everyone a smile then. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome.
1: And so uh, you've already had a big celebrity come into your van and actually uh, try and serve coffee.
0: Yeah, so it was quite funny. It was the day after Foo Fighters were playing in Perth. Um, I was in outside Perth City Hall and then with the van, suddenly I was chatting to these two, this German couple who came up to have a look at the van and Dave Grohl's come strolling past and just started talking to me about, about this van and I was like, oh my God, this is Dave Grohl. Um, this is amazing. And then he, w- was, he was just chatting about the van because it turns out he is really passionate about VW vans and um, combis yeah. because he he grew up in one pretty much. And then then he went to the van in front. He said, oh, is that van in front yours as well? Because was a combi in front. I said, oh, no, that's not mine. It's, it's that dude over there. So he's gone and um, started talking to that guy. And then I was like, to the German couple, I was like, is that Dave Grohl? And they were like, these, this German couple couldn't even talk anymore. They're like, oh, my God, we saw him last night. I was like, oh, my God, it was. So then he's come back. And I said, hey, Dave, do you want to jump in for a photo? And he's like, yeah, man, this van's sick. So he's jumped in and he's made a pose. And then he just jumped out and started strolling off into the sunset. <laughs> it's unreal. It was pretty bizarre. And he had, you know, he was just cruising along, loving life. Yeah. He had no sort of entourage or bodyguards or anything like that. And I think everyone probably just left him alone because they didn't actually realize quite who it was. Yeah, he gave it a shock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I've
1: I've heard that um, like on multiple uh, interviews or like well watching interviewers, they were talking about how nice he was backstage. Like the makeup artist would always be swooning over him because he wouldn't sort of get that celebrity high status. Like I'm better than you. You don't talk to me. Sort of thing. Don't make eye contact. He would make time for everybody. Treats everyone as his equal. As as I keep hearing. And, yeah, he's meant to be an absolute gentleman. Like, yeah. And you can see in, in the way he acts and his performance and so forth, he's once again one of those people that just just lives life to the full and doesn't get caught up in his ego or any of the BS that's going on around him.
0: I think one of the most important things, people like him, and sort of, you know, people who are at the absolute top of the game, is he's doing it because he's completely passionate about it. Yeah. It's just the byproduct happens to be, you know, wealth, I guess. But... If he if he didn't have that, then he'd still be dogs. And when he was going, um, beginning to go pro and start getting really good, he he was just so passionate about what he was doing. There's no such thing as a professional skateboarder. He just loved it, and he was making nothing. But that didn't matter to him because he was doing exactly what he loved. And then just so happened that byproduct of that is people loved watching him. Yeah, how cool yeah. is that?
1: That's that's it, and um, that's that kind of takes me back to what you were saying about naysayers when you started um, Project Swallow in Africa, and and my brother Nick and I we had the same problem when we started Beyond Rest the um, the float centres um, we had all these naysayers, no one believed in us, no one knew what it was, um, but we just went ahead and did it anyway because we we're passionate about it. We did it before. Uh, we'd even um, thought about the business idea as just something we did because we loved, we believed in it, we enjoyed flotation therapy, and as a result, we decided to create this business. And everyone goes, "Nah, that's not going to work." Six months after getting it off the ground, everyone's like, "Ah, uh, how do we invest?" <laughs> it's like well, the guinea pigs are now like everyone's doing it now. You see centers popping up in every suburb, and and we take a, people go, "How do you feel about that?" Because they pretty much every center is former customers of ours. And we don't care. We're actually really happy for them. We're just like this. Look, this creates more awareness, gets it out there, and if anything, it's a compliment to us. So, uh, and we just continue doing us. We just focus on ourselves and on our own brand because you know we've created a temple, and we're just trying to you know reconnect people to their true selves. And one of my staff members, Matt, the other day, I was telling him how uh, this customer said the only reason she was coming back to be a member was because of him. And uh, he loved hearing that because uh, he's like, this is why we do what we do. And that's it. We kind of love those little stories when people tell us how this has helped them, how it's made a difference. And we're just like, yeah, that's it, you know. Uh, it's sort of like what you were doing with Africa. So what's, um, what are you trying to uh, uh,
0: achieve with um, The little, bra- little Brass Van? So the van the van for me, so I'm really passionate about business and things like that because essentially it's a enabler to have more time more of your own time and live your life to the fullest, I suppose. Um so to me by starting the van was a, something that I could learn from, um learn about business. It wasn't necessary um the van itself isn't necessarily a massive passion of mine, making coffee and stuff like yep, that. Yep. I love drinking coffee. Yeah. But uh, yeah, making it probably not very good at. Um, however, it's it's something that does fuel my passion, which is helping other people, giving other people a good time, and also the byproduct of that is I'm going to learn more about business and learn more about you know how to do things, whether it's marketing or accounting and all that sort of stuff. Because I feel for me the best way to learn something or do something is jump in, and do it. And if you've got to jump in the deep end and start paddling, then that's the way you got to do it. Essentially that's how I've sort of done everything. Like going to Africa, uni, there you know, little things like that. Coming over here, I had absolutely no idea about I, so I first started on a crushing plant. I had no idea what a crusher even was in the mines. Oh, yeah. And um uh but you know, you just learn it. If it's for for some greater purpose that you want to achieve and this it's an enabler, then get on and do it. And I think the important thing is is and it's a bit like what you're saying about other centres opening up around around the place. You can't get frustrated about that because you can only con- control what you can control. So, and this is what I explain to a lot of people up at work. Is you know they might get frustrated about a different crew not doing something, and or they might get frustrated about a bit of machinery breaking down every time or something like that. And it's like, well, you can't get frustrated about that because it's completely out of your control. Now, you can get frustrated about being overweight or something, or not being able to wake up if you want to wake up at 6 but you can only wake up at 7 yeah and you could probably get frustrated about that cuz you're in control of of what you can do but you know you might be frustrated cuz you don't know how to le- know, uh, speak spanish or something but you can still learn it so but something that you're doing um yep. that might yeah you know, potentially frustrate me there's no point in me getting worked up over it because i don't have any control over it yeah it's like the weather someone's someone's really Annoyed about the weather, oh, it's raining, it's raining, just doing my head. And it's like, well, move to somewhere where it's sunny. <laughs> like, yeah, that's where you can control. Yeah. But you you're not going to wake up in the morning and just turn the switch. Yeah. And that's the best thing about being somewhere like Perth is generally, apart from this winter, it's like amazing weather all the time.
1: Yeah. It's just everyone's house looks like a Chinese laundromat at the moment, (laughs) that's all. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, you're right. It's like if you're not happy with the rain, just go to the Simpsons Desert. that will take care (laughs) of that. And um, uh, so what are your plans for the future? I mean, where do you want to go moving forward? After the van, um, have you got any other aspirations or romantic notions in life?
0: Yeah, so um, I actually did. So, part of when I went back to Kenya three years ago, I actually went to Ethiopia as well. Um, and that was really good fun. That was to start essentially w- looking into a bit more work and stuff. The orphanage was really good, and that was fun, but that only affected a small group of people. You know, I suppose that it affected that village because we were employing the locals and we were buying everything from the local shops and we were helping the kids there. So essentially it's a bit of a small group. Um, but something on a massive scale problem in the world is um, water, and fresh water. Um, And something like 2,000 children die a day because of poor um, water hygiene and sanitation, which is a massive stat. And then, um, so I went to Ethiopia and did a lot of research over there. And it was pretty amazing, looked into different methods of drilling for water. Um, It was really cool. I ended up bumping into this American guy who was with, um, who's married to an Ethiopian lady. And he lived like three hours out of this town I met him in. He said, oh, Do you want to come and stay? Come come out to mine, and I'll teach you how we can drill for water. I was like, Yeah, all right. So I just jumped in the car with this stranger, and off we went for four hours, three hours, and then stayed with him for a week. It was so interesting. He taught me how to drill for water using man, man means only. So essentially, stuff that you can buy from a local hardware store anywhere in the world, no matter what country it is or what they already have you can pretty much guarantee you can have this stuff like an old leaf spring from a ute um pvc pipe a couple metal poles and you can drill for water and their biggest hole was like 62 meters and um then the pump itself they'll make their own pump so just out of a leather washer and a nut and bolt um and it's incredible and i said to this guy i said yeah that's cool like it looks good i get what you're doing but surely after a year it's probably going to be broken and he said, oh, I'll take you to the first well that I made. So I said, okay. So he took me to the first well that he made, and it was seven years old. And this, he was pumping it, and f- this crystal clear water was coming out. It was incredible. And then, so that to me was really inspirational. This guy just left America. He was, he was really stumbling along a bit of a broken path, I suppose, in terms of, you know, he was completely addicted to drugs. Um, he was just living the rock star life. And then one day just woke up and thought, there's probably something better in life so met a guy in bolivia who taught him this um this method and then he went to ethiopia just randomly because he saw it on like some children's need show and then started doing it and married an ethiopian lady and you know he he loves it there and and, and that was really cool so part of that project was and doing research into that was i suppose raising awareness a bit um with the potential of actually doing it which i need to pull my finger out but you know Time will happen.
1: Yeah, so that's after you basically the, the van business, so the, the coffee van mobile business will help sort of um, pay for that, I guess, that journey.
0: Yeah, sort of. Because uh, I, think, I think the key is um, no matter what you do, whether it's or what your sort of inspiration is, it should never be to um, help someone else necessarily. It should be because you, you want to enjoy it. So when we did all this, like the African trip, the charity stuff at uni and going back over there and stuff like that. And even what I do now for work, like I absolutely love what I do. And I love, the, you know, the whole journey and the challenge and the excitement of it. And just like the African one just so happened that the byproduct of that was, you know, was helping out a bunch of people, which is, you yeah, know, that's cool. Yeah. But I, I, had a, I had a really good time at the same time. There's I'm no sure. doubt about it. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing because if, if you think of something like a chore, like it's tough or hard work, then... Like, I just don't see why people do that. It's a waste of your life, I think.
1: Yeah, I I read uh, in a book um, from Eckhart Tolle, I think it was The Power of Now, and he was talking about uh, if you're doing something, you should either do it with enthusiasm. If you can't do it, no, do it with love. If you can't do it with love, you do it with enthusiasm. If you can't do it with enthusiasm, you do it with acceptance. (laughs) So, um, yeah, one of those three. But obviously the acceptance is more of a a necessity rather than, you know, what you want to do. Could you see yourself going to Africa, Lockie, and doing something like that? After hearing Jack talk, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, we'll go
2: over to the house. Let's do it now. Let's just go. (laughs) Pack your bags and go. That's it.
1: I actually believe you, Lockie. I think you will. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm already putting my shoes on to run out that door now. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's good. And... um, uh, this this kind of always brings it back to being mindful and 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 living that 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 now. I was uh, reading a book that um, uh, what's it what's it called the uh, the book you gave me, Jack? Um,
0: oh, uh, Millionaire Morning by uh, Lewis Hours.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he was talking about like obviously the book's about how to be a millionaire and so forth, but it can be used in any facet of your life, any aspect, and. Who's saying how people make excuses like, oh, I'm too busy, I have children, I've got this or that? It's like, yeah, fair enough. But, Is there any time during that day where you're looking up something on YouTube or Facebook or, you know, three or four hours worth of TV, it's like, oh, that's my downtime, I need that to to relax so I can re-energise for the next day. It's like, no, like, to get ahead, you've got to really apply yourself, like, there's nothing wrong with working hard as long as you're doing it for the right cause, the right purpose, and if you have purpose, which is what most people struggle with in life, um, then, uh, yeah, you kind of just go into autopilot mode um, or you're doing something that's not really true to your values, uh,
0: something you don't believe in. Yeah, I've, I think so. something that is very close to me is accountability. So, and the, the whole point of that is you you can't be accountable to yourself. So you don't do something for yourself because, you know, if you don't do it, you're not really going to lose out. But you have to be accountable to someone else. This is what, I, I and, mean, you know, I talk about a lot to other people, but... You have someone who's working in the mines, for example. They're away, and they're not there because they're making money for themselves. They're there so they can, for their kids, because then they can send their kids to I don't know, give them a, a better life or whatever, whatever it may be. And that's what they're accountable to. And as when you make yourself accountable to other people and those people around you, that's when you really start trying hard because you don't want to let those people down. When we were in Africa, you know, we, we were accountable to the people who are investing in us you know given us all this money we are accountable to them we are accountable to the kids at the orphanage the staff at the orphanage and the people that were working for us because you know we had to deliver this project and because of that you know failure just wasn't an option
1: yeah yeah and I, I guess when you put it under those sort of um, demands and constraints, it's easy to fall under stress and that's where you've got to really sort of take five minutes out of your day, or at least five minutes just to sort of centre yourself, whether it be meditation or just be mindful of your feelings so that way you don't sort of crack and lose it. Um, and uh, a key point with all that is is always sort of reminding yourself why you're doing what you're doing. If you're not happy with what you're doing, then you should really reflect and, and assess Go, do I need to move in a different direction um, and that's something that I've had to constantly look at in my life and that's just going back like does this make me happy because there's so many jobs I've done in my life where I was just doing it for that paycheck so I could go get pissed or take drugs or chase women or just uh, whatever just Um, pay the rent but there's more to life than that and that's something my co-host Lockie teaches me on a constant basis and that's why I'm always surprised when whatever comes out of his mouth like I keep laughing every time you're talking about snapping turtles I'm like what is this snapping of turtles and then you just like tagging turtles and
2: what is snapping turtles (laughs) something Ben created in his mind I've I've no (laughs) idea what he means but I've done a few rounds of tagging sea turtles and that's an incredible thing and just like you said it's You've got to do it from your heart. you got to do it for happiness, not for any monetary reward. And that's, like you said, a byproduct of happiness, really. But yeah, it's about doing what you love. And I love what you do. And I <laughs> love what I do. And I love what you do, Jack. And
1: So tagging yeah. turtles, that's like you, you're tagging them so that way you can track where they're going and, and see what's going on in the turtle world or something.
2: In the turtle world, yes, pretty much. Sometimes we'll just, um, put a uh, radar tracker on them. Yeah. A satellite tracker and we can see where they go and it's pretty incredible they come back to the same beach after years of years of nesting in the same beach and their hatchlings come back to the same beach to hatch and nest years later too. It's it's been incredible. Sorry, I'm getting sidetracked, but no, that's cool. I do love the turtles. No, that's
1: good. That's good. <laughs>
2: it's people like you that admire me that keep me going. So thank you. And it's just what you've cultivated around here, it's what keeps you going, I can see too. Oh, with People's beyond love prayers. for this place.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful temple and a lot of that's down to Nick, my brother, who came up with the sacred uh, geometry, the Fibonacci concept to create all the curved walls around this place. So, yeah, And it's great watching people walk in they're just like, whoa, this looks so cool. They instantly feel the zen and the calmness and it's like, you guys must have the best job in the world and we're sitting there barefoot drinking tea going... Yeah, I guess we shouldn't complain. <laughs> we have to constantly <laughs> remind ourselves because we kind of fell into that first world problem. Because at the end of the day, we are spoiled in so many aspects. Because you got to you got to ground yourself and go wait. There are so many people out there that have it harder. So every time I feel like I'm having a hard day or, or things are a bit stressful, then I kind of got to bring it back and go well, hang on. It's you know it's another day. Let's just sort of look at let's see what I'm grateful for today. Um, had an interesting night last night and then i'm just driving home and i'm like what am i grateful for and uh, just reminding yourself that helps you have a good night's sleep so that way your brain doesn't focus or hold on to anything so you can have that good night's sleep and wake up ready to take on another day and when people go oh how are you on a monday i said it's great i'm great because it's the start of a new week they're just like most people dragging their feet going, oh, Monday-itis. I'm like, nah, it's a, it's a whole new chapter. This is a new journey. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, so it gets really exciting. Um, and, and, I mean, with um, this particular um, business model that I have uh, with uh, flotation therapy, what got, I mean, obviously that's how we've met Jack is through floating. I mean, what, what got you into sensory deprivation?
0: Yeah, well... Um I suppose it was on the mind of mine f- for a number of reasons. One, the Simpsons episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, two, I listened to a lot of Joe Rogan as well. Of course. Roganite. Yeah. Roganite. And, um, and I think it was about two years ago, maybe, when I s- first started floating. Yeah. And, um, and it was actually, I was down in Bunbury and I was bored because I had a, my card broken down, so I was waiting for the mechanic to fix it. I was walking around and there was a float centre there and I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard about that and heard Joe Rogan talk about it, but they were fully booked. So got back here and, um, you know, found Beyond Rest in North, uh, North Perth and it was brilliant. And essentially the reason I did it was because I think, you know, we do so much uh, work with our body in terms of if you play sports, you go for a massage, you stretch. Um, you know, you you read stuff to get smarter. You, you we're constantly um, massaging ourselves, I suppose, but we never really give us our, our brain a chance to just defragmentate. And with work for me, you know, I was, it was I was so busy at the time and um, just could never switch off. You know, all I could think about was work. I'd go home, um, go to bed, but just work was on the brain, which is you know you think oh it's good because you've got good work ethic but it's actually very unhealthy because you you completely lose track of everything that's whizzing past you you miss so many opportunities because you know you're so focused on what's in front of you what you know work essentially but you miss your perceptual vision and so i thought oh you know I'll give floating a go heard a lot about it looked into a bit and then yeah came to beyond rest and it was incredible It it was amazing the way i sort of Thought about it was it was a bit like you know you've got a desk which is really messy there's papers everywhere and you go into it for an hour and then suddenly you come out and everything's just filed neatly and organised and then every time I'd go into the tank you know you try and expect absolutely nothing but sometimes I'd go in and I'd actually have something to to think about and whether it's it was a van or something like that um or and then come out and you can be so focused on. On what you need to be focused on with such little distraction and so for me every time I go into the tank I get different experience coming out and it's incredible and sometimes you can be a bit fidgety and agitated other times you can fall asleep other times you just have the most incredible like wildest thought processes and hallucinations and it's just bizarre feelings which I think are incredible just like really just take you away
1: yeah, it's always different every time. What got you into floating, Lockie?
2: Um, I heard about it, same as Jack, through Simpsons, really. That was the first impression I've ever had of floating. But I remember having, having a drunken conversation with my cousin about two years back. I had no idea about floating, but I talked like I knew everything about it. and He was enthralled and I was doing some cool hand movements and all this and all that. Still had no idea what I was talking about. And then I bought my cousin a voucher for his birthday just over a year ago. And then he loved it. He became intern for about a month. And then he asked me to come on in and I met Lee and instantly I was an intern. And it keeps me coming back as, as he said, every opportunity is different. Every experience is completely different. I've never met an uninteresting person walk through these doors. And I just love it. Just the feeling that you walk in, your smile instantly just gleams from ear to ear and yeah, it's the awesome feeling. Your mind gets the turn off from the monotonous thinking of just work and whatever else is going on in your day and can actually focus on things that genuinely matter. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah, it's good to have those sort of experiences because there's just so much out there that the world has to offer us and as long as we're being present and sort of living in that moment um, where the signs will present itself in my own personal philosophy where uh, when things present itself to you it's a good chance to jump on top of it then and there and, and see where the, where, the, um, where the journey takes you or the yellow brick road if you will. So I guess um, what I'm leading up to from there, Jack, is you know on your deathbed years from now, what's the most you would have wanted to have achieved? I mean, something
0: that aligned with your personal values. So, yeah, I think that's a really good question. For, for me, it's all about living sort of today to the absolute maximum because you know over the last couple of years, a um, couple of really good friends have got very ill and things like that, and it's really highlighted to me that literally anything can happen know, we could walk out here and be hit by a bus, sadly. yeah. So you've got to make sure that everything that you do is for, you're just doing it to the best of your ability, you're, you're enjoying it. If you're going to have a conversation with someone, then you know, actually have a conversation with that person and understanding the motivation of the conversation and things like that. It It's so important. So for me, when I get to my deathbed, um, I don't think I'll get to a deathbed, I think I'll, I don't know, fall out of a plane or something, I think that would be a better way to go. <laughs> go out and style. Yeah, exactly. On your way back to saving the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, so, you know, if, if when I look back, if I can be satisfied that I've got, you know, no regrets, and I think the only regret you can ever have is not doing something. Even if we do something and it's a mistake, it's, you can't regret that because you can learn from that. So, you know, it's good. Matt McGandy said, I never lose. I, I either win or learn. Yeah. I think that's a really cool saying. And I suppose I live my life like that, you know, just some things I've done in life have been really stupid and massive trip-ups, but I've learned from it. And, you know, you move on. It's all about how you pick yourself back up and get back on the horse, I suppose.
1: Yeah, there's so many great quotes around that. It's like, <laughs> not how hard you get hit. It's like, oh, you know, life hits you down, but you pick yourself back up. It's like, why do we fall so we can learn to pick ourselves up? That kind of thing. It's a
0: Batman quote. Yeah, it is Batman quote.
1: <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility. That's Spider Man. I, I, I get some of my best inspirations. I I had a little bit of Rocky in there too, wasn't it? Yeah, there, there, was, there was Rocky. There was Rocky. All right, look, uh, I, I do read as well. <laughs> <laughs> all right okay so <laughs> i guess um jack so knowing the biggest regret of the dying in the context of that statement how do you find yourself uh, living right now do you think you'd be true to yourself um are they reflect reflecting your deepest values or are you living a life that you think is most acceptable to others around you
0: so i think i think um probably about two years ago i'd say when i started floating i am um, you know i wasn't necessarily living my life to the fullest for me um it, you know it was, it was acceptable to other people and um and then I really changed things so I started I've always enjoyed playing sport and stuff in the past um but you know I hadn't been going to the gym for four or five years or something like that um so I you know I started changing stuff I started thinking you know do I want to be around someone like me and I was like not really so I've, you know you create the person that you want to be around so, yeah you know, I started going back to the gym and just enjoying being healthy, waking up early, so you know I'd sleep until nine ten o'clock, which I hate doing. I smoked like thirty cigarettes a day um I was doing all this stuff, which was all something I just did not want I wouldn't wanna be around someone like that, so why should I expect other people to wanna to be around me mm. so then I actually started making a difference and making a change, and you know the first thing you've gotta do is i think look at yourself in the mirror and understand you know, where your faults are and where your good things are and you can either work on it or you can make your good things even better. So then I started, you know, making a, making a change, working out a bit more and, you know, trying to keep fit because that creates much fitter mentally as well.
1: Yeah, it's like a release of endorphins and so forth. After a workout, yeah. you
0: instantly feel good about yourself, don't you? Yeah, it is, it's amazing. And then so I started doing that and, you know, quit smoking. I actually got hypnotized for it.
1: And that works.
0: Yeah, it was unbelievable. I've sent uh, maybe six people to the same same lady, and yeah, with all with positive results. So just one,
1: just get hypnotized once, and boom, that's like, it's like a quick fix pill. Are you telling me?
0: You've got to want to do it. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's the most important thing. So if you, if you go there just because I don't know your partner told you she you what you got to stop smoking or you got to give up sugar, then but you don't actually want to do it. Then you'll not do it. You've got to ha- You've got to want to do it. And th- and then, but yeah, it worked incredibly well. So I came out of that. I came out of that, and all I wanted to do was have a cigarette. So I was like, damn, this didn't work. That's five hundred bucks down the drain. Um, but I thought, no, no, I'll, I'll give it a crack. Um, so I didn't have a smoke all that day. And then, next thing I realised is like five days later, and I've got no urge. It was amazing. That's great. Yeah. That's great. So I think I've gone a bit off track.
1: Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> yeah. But the point was like, um, so, like, are you living um, to the deepest of your values, um, or do you think you're sort of following into an autopilot mode that is acceptable to others?
0: No, I think I think I am. I think, yeah, you know, I know those people around me who I want to be. I want to be around. Yeah. Um, and I really like the people that that are around me and my friends and family. I'm close to them, and um, I don't spread myself too thin yeah which i think's important so yeah you know, when i'm with the people i want to be with they they get me yeah and um yeah i just you know enjoy life and a bit like what you're saying earlier you know every time i wake up in the morning i'm like yes i'm i made it through the last 6 hours or 7 hours of sleep and now i'm ready to go again how good's that <laughs> Let's kick this day into the and go for
1: it. I can't remember which comedian I saw, uh, but they were talking about how like old people are that like as you're young you kinda of sleep in a lot more, but then as you get old, like the elderly people, they're kinda of getting up at the crack of dawn because they're <laughs> just so grateful that they survived well, another day, they're willing to take it on again. Yeah. And um yeah, that's it's a funny thing to see. So, um, yeah, you, you would say that um god forbid if you, you know, went out and got hit by a bus or something you'd, you'd be satisfied with uh, your contribution thus far to life and, and to yourself
0: yeah i think so i think i'll never i don't think i'll ever be 100 percent satisfied because Good. Keeps it keeps you hungry yeah exactly it keeps me hungry keeps me you know wanting more so you know matthew McConaughey. who he has an amazing speech and he always talked about you know his inspiration is him in three years time And then he gets there and then his inspiration again is him in three years' time. He just wants to get there, just get there and get there healthy and get there well and be the best person he can to get there. And, yeah, I think the second that you're completely satisfied, then you're probably not going to keep trying. So I don't think I'll ever be 100% satisfied, but I'll give it a good crack.
1: Yeah, may all your dreams come true except one sort of thing. I was just about to say (laughs) that, actually. Yeah, well, there was a survey from a nurse that said 75% of all people on their deathbed uh, regret uh, aspects in their life, whether it be reaching out to their friends or uh, like having a close connection with their friends or or you know, they felt like they were working too hard. I don't think you'll have that problem, uh, Lockie. Uh, I'm not saying you don't have a good work ethic. I'm just saying you live to your, your values, I believe, which I think is an awesome quality to have.
2: Thank you very much, Bantam. Well, Hopefully, the there's not too so many bosses that turn around and see that I've just nicked off somewhere and then get too unhappy yeah, about yeah. it. But I, I wouldn't sorry. say
1: you, you like it's not a, you're not a pain in the bum in that respect. But <laughs> sorry, <laughs> it's like well, one time i like called he's called me up and said, "Oh, I won't be able to come in for the meeting tonight." And I'm like, "You're not on for the meeting. You're actually rostered on to work." And he's like, "Oh, well, I'm in Albany." <laughs> <laughs> I do like, remember. <laughs> it's, like, it's like I'm not going to be able to make that shit. Yeah, well,
0: yeah. You know, another really good quote I heard was um i think it was joe rogan he said you know you've got to understand what you really 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 love and then just get really good at it yeah um, yeah how good is that
1: yeah just beat on your craft there's so many things out there it's yeah. like one person was saying if you work spend an hour a day on your craft for five years you'll have mastered it then if you read something like uh the concise of mastery by robert green and um he's saying basically you go through an apprenticeship then a career then mastery which is about a 10-year process which is about ten thousand hours um so there's a lot of work that you have to put into anything that you believe in but if you're willing to if you're passionate about something you're willing to sort of live in the moment and and really sort of um, apply yourself then you'll probably be a much more contentful a happier person and using little tools all around you like meditation, flotation therapy, uh, sound healing planting, whatever yeah. cutting a bonzo tree whatever it is your thing is your thing in my case probably martial arts um, you know everyone has something different but you just use whatever tools you can to help you along your journey and on your path in life.
2: I find some people really struggle to find their passion though. Is there any advice you can give people who haven't found their passion, or they don't know what they
1: want to do, or they've got yeah, definitely for lack of better words, not too much going for them? Um, I would say uh, one of the key points is to to look at parts in your life that actually made you happy. I think we've all ha- I think every person has had some moment in their life that they can look back on and say, "Oh, yeah, I was happy in that moment." We were all children at some stage where we we're full of life, and. Um, what you find is when you you look at that moment... So for me, um, something I'm really passionate and happy about is performing arts. Uh, And I've only just recently uh, decided to get back into that because when I'm doing it, it doesn't matter whether I'm good or not, I have no ambitions of going down the red carpet and just receiving an award and getting lots of money. That would be nice. I'm not saying I'd say no. But the point is, while I'm doing that on the side, outside of work... I am a much more happier, complete, fuller person. The same way I like going to the gym and doing martial arts. It, it creates discipline. It makes me stronger. It makes me fitter. It also makes me a better person. It makes me humbler to a degree. Um, and, um, yeah, these these little tools help me so I can be a better, stronger person for the business that I'm in uh, beyond rest, the float center. So, yeah, I'd say look to yourself. Look to your core values. What makes you happy and hone in on that. So if you're graffiti, if you're doing graffiti work around um, streets, then enhance on that. You know, put it on a canvas, man. Get it in an art gallery. See if you can get some money for that. <laughs> if you've got a skill set, there are so many things you can do with your life. So
0: yeah, I th- yeah, I think it's one of the hardest questions because yeah, we're all sort of programmed to expect what we're going to be doing in five years' time. You go to school, the next I don't know, what, 15 years or whatever, you're going to be at school. And then you're programmed to be able to, okay, now you've got to go to university or now you've got to do a, an apprenticeship. It's like, oh, my God, really? So I've got to go to university to learn about something that I don't know if I want to do that when I leave. And that was like me. But I think a really important thing is to be vulnerable and to be humble because by being vulnerable, you're going to be open to feedback and you know, take in what people say, observe other people. And, you know, you can always look at someone and be like, is that the person I want to be like? And you might be like, yeah, that person's really cool. Or, yeah, I like their values, that's in line with mine. And the key is just to enjoy what you're doing. The second you stop enjoying it, I mean, even myself in the mines, whilst I don't particularly like flying away all the time, what I love is working with people. And, yeah, you know, my job satisfaction isn't running a crushing plant or trucks it's actually you know, getting the best out of the people and trying to make them happy. And that's what I love. So that's, you know, that's my motivation and purpose. And that's why the only thing I've got to change is the, probably the flying bit. That's great. Good for you, Jack.
1: Well, that's all the time we have for today on Perth Reconnect. Um, we're here at the Beyond Rest chill out space. So thank you very much for coming in today, Jack. Really appreciate your time and your stories. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. And thank you to my co-host, Lockie. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Ben. Thank you very much. Thank <laughs> and you, Jack.
2: You never fail to inspire me. <laughs> Thanks,
1: Jacky. And you have a wonderful day. And tune in. We'll be back soon. Thank you very much.